feel the presence of God, and I pray that he speaks to your heart. If you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 6, that's where we're going to be again today. John chapter 6. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So last week we were also in John chapter 6, and we talked about recognizing how we need God and how in this passage, it's a long chapter. I encourage you to read it. There is a lot of stuff in here. When we have a more time, maybe next Sunday or after that, we're going di- to dive deeper into this chapter. There's some things there the Lord's showing me. I can't get past it. I'm, I've been reading it every day. There's just some, there's a secret in there the Lord wants me to find. And, um, but this is after he feeds the 5,000. This is after, you know, there's, there's extra left over. He also walks on the sea. Jesus has performed two great miracles in front of these people. And then last week we were in John chapter 6, verse 26, where Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs and wonders. <laughs> like, it's easy for us to believe as believers that if we saw someone get up out of a wheelchair that we would seek God. Are y'all here? I'm just jumping straight in today. There's no commercials. There's no tiptoeing in. We're just, like, as believers, it's easy for us to think, if I saw a dead person raised, I would pursue after the heart of God. And it's not the signs and wonders that make us seek God. They point to him. They are signs that point to a greater reality, that point to an experience that we can have with him, to a relationship with him. But they cannot cause our heart to pursue God all the days of our life. We will see signs and wonders. We will raise the dead. Come on. We'll cast out demons. We will cleanse lepers. They are a sign that says there's a greater reality. But that alone cannot cause people to pursue God in our hearts. He says, you're not seeking me because you saw signs and wonders. You seek me because you ate the bread and the loaves and your stomach was filled. In other words, you tasted and saw that I am the bread from heaven that came down. Because you tasted of me and you felt me fill you. And you guys know the the word in the Bible when it says God filled the temple. When his presence fills the temple. It doesn't mean he fills it and then stops. It means he fills it and continues to fill it. (laughs) I don't know how that works, but that's how God does it. He fills the space and continues to fill it. And he's saying to his disciples here, you don't seek me because of the signs and wonders. You seek me because you've tasted and seen that I can fill you and continue to fill you. And he says, don't pursue and don't labor for food which perishes, verse 27, but for food which endures to everlasting life. And he says, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal, his Holy Spirit, upon him. And then they're like, well, what do we need to do to do these works that you're talking about? And Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. What does it take to have the kingdom? What does it take to, to experience and to do the things Jesus did and even greater things? It's simply to just believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that God sent him to the earth. That belief alone is what causes us to tap into supernatural authority, supernatural power. And then here come the teachers and the the Jews of the time and the Pharisees. And they said, well, what sign will you perform? Now, Jesus just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Jesus just walked on the water of the the sea. He performed miracles. And they're like, well, what sign are you going to give us? 
Like he was their, their, their magician. He was their entertainment. Well, show us another sign and maybe we'll believe you now. And he just said to his disciples, y'all don't follow me because of the signs and wonders. You follow me because you've partaken of me. You believe in me. And here they are. Well, what sign will you do? What work will you do? And they're asking Jesus again to perform. And then they said, well, our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. And Jesus responded to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they were like, well, Lord, give us this bread. And he says, I am the bread of life. Everyone say, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never be hungry again. He who believes in me shall never thirst again. Come on. You want your hunger and thirst to be quenched? It's only found in Jesus, the bread of life who came down from heaven. And he's going on. He says, you've seen me and you've seen the things I do. And it goes on down. I just want to skip through this for time. And they begin to complain. Verse 41. Jesus is saying, I came from heaven. I'm the bread of life that came down. If you partake of me, you'll have everlasting life. And they begin to complain and they say, how can he say I'm the bread of heaven? We know him. He's Joseph's son. And now they dishonored him. They didn't recognize him for who he was as the Messiah. And they were offended in their hearts. And they begin to speak out their offense. This is just Joseph's son. We know his mom and his dad. We remember Jesus when he was rowdy as a teenager. He's not the bread from heaven. He can't be the Messiah. How can he say, I came down from heaven? We know where he came from. Whew. And Jesus answered them and said, don't murmur among yourselves. No one can come to the Father No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. As it is written, and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And he goes on and he continues. I say that whoever believes in me has everlasting life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Verse 49, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and where are they now? They're dead. Hello? They're like, well, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. He's like, well, your fathers ate manna and they died. If you eat me, the bread of life, you will never die. He's offending them, right? He's taking his word and he's driving that sword. The Bible says the word of God is like a sword and he drives it into our hearts. It pierces. It divides between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been walking with Jesus for quite a time? How many of you felt the sword of his word pierce your heart every single day? It offends us. It's not safe to walk with Jesus. Jesus is nice. He's gentle. He's sweet. He's the lamb of God. But he's also a ferocious lion with all power and all authority. And I, we, we were listening to that song. Jason opened up with talking, talking with Jesus. We were listening to that in the backyard, and we began to talk. I was like, boys, you know Jesus was, he's, he's awesome. Like, he's a warrior, right? I'm like, you know, one day he's coming back on a white horse with his beautiful hair and fire in his eyes and the tattoo of King of Kings and Lord of Lords on him, and he's going to come back with a sword as a conqueror? Not as this gentle and meek and low. He's coming back as the king as the alpha and they were like oh that's really cool and they were like 
What was that? <laughs> what's the song? They're like, yeah, what's the name of the song? What is it? The immigrant song? With, who sings it, though? Led Zeppelin. They're like, ah, they're like, Jesus is going to come back with that song playing. I was like, yes, because Jesus is awesome. <laughs> like, he is a conqueror. And here's what happened is they begin to encounter Jesus in this moment, and they started talking to him like he was a lamb. And Jesus took the sword, and he's like, oh, your fathers ate the bread from, from, from the manna that came down in the wilderness, but where are they now? And he drove the sword in. And he's like, I am the bread of life. I did come from heaven. And if you will simply just taste of me, if you will simply believe me, then you will have everlasting life. And they were offended by this. How can this man say we're supposed to eat his flesh and drink his blood? And he's like, oh, as a matter of fact, I say to you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot enter into the kingdom. And he just drove the sword in deeper. Verse, verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you too? See, what happened was as he continued to drive that sword in through this teaching that he is the bread of life that comes down from heaven from the Father, only through Jesus can we have eternal life. As he's teaching this lesson, people begin to leave him. People get, begin to walk away from him. They became offended in their hearts at Jesus. And he looks at his disciples and he says, are you offended? Have I offended you? What then? If you should see the Son of Man ascend from where he was before, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. But the words that I speak to you are spirit, come on, and they are life. But there are some who do not, do not believe. And then it goes on down. Interesting question. <laughs> Verse 66. From that time, many more of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. More people left. More people were offended. And then Jesus said to the twelve, are you also going to leave? And then Peter, with another one of his amazing, the guy either hit a home run or struck out, right? He was, he was the zero-sum baseball player, home run or strike out. He says, Lord, where else will we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe. Come on, listen to this. We have come to believe and know that you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And I want to stop there. And God, I ask that your spirit would speak to us. There are many in this room, and the Lord began to take me on this journey. And I'm going to take us quickly through how he spoke to me in this. There are many of us in this room that we've been walking with Jesus for a long time. He has undoubtedly offended us. How many have ever been offended by Jesus? I remember the first time I went to Bethel. Uh, in 2004, somewhere around there, 2000, no, it was probably before that, 2002. And I was deeply offended. My, all my religious spirits were triggering. I had trigger warnings before I even knew what trigger warnings were. I was offended. I felt the presence of God, but the things that I saw offended me. 
I saw people fly across the room. I'm not exaggerating here. I'm not making stories up. I saw people fly 10 or 12 feet across the room as the power of God hit them. But what offended me wasn't that the power of God hit them and that they flew, because I've seen that in my lifetime. What offended me was these, these young college students who were zapping them with the presence of God offended me. And it was almost like they were rolling up a ball and throwing it at them, and they would fly across the room. I was like, what? And I got so offended. I was like, how dare you play with, you know, like I'm, I'm so holy. And, and I've been offended for, for many times since. I've gotten bad news and been offended. And like, God, how could this happen when you said you were going to keep me safe and no one could take me from the palm of your hand and that you order my steps? Then anyone ever, like, how could this happen if, if you're a good God? And we've been there. We've been offended through the years. And here we are, though, still walking with Jesus. You're still walking with him. Some of us have walked with people for a long time with Jesus and some of our closest friends that we've been walking with for a long time. Maybe we got saved with them. We've been walking with Jesus, tending to each other's wounds from being offended and all of life's issues. And then we turn and they, they quit walking with Jesus. And they stopped. They quit somewhere. Somewhere it was just too much. I can't do this. This is too difficult. It's too hard. Yet we didn't stop with our friends. We kept walking. You still are walking with Jesus. There's something to be said about that. Many of us have, been, have suffered. Some of us have been rejected by our own families. Some of you in this room have been rejected by your own families because of the way you pursue Jesus. Some of you have suffered wounds and lies about you. Oh, come on, baby, right? <laughs> We've been done, we had so many lies and things said through the years that we would love to, to defend ourselves. Yet we've never been allowed to stand up and defend ourselves. Some ridiculous thing said, and the Lord said, don't you dare answer or say a word. I'm like, why? I'm right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but if you, if you answer, then you will get in the same level. Like my dad always said, when you wrestle with a pig, you're going to get mud on you. And you're not going to be happy about it. The pig's going to love it, but not you, right? So we've been through these things, yet we're still choosing to step into the sword of God's word, even though it pierces us. Maybe some of you this morning, you felt the Lord pierce your heart, yet you stepped closer in the pain. Oh, there's something about this walk with Jesus. It's not safe. You can't bubble wrap everyone. Our world thinks that until it's safe is the new motto for the world. Until it's safe. Well, it will never be safe. Life is not safe. Life isn't fair. It doesn't follow a pattern. You can eat healthy your whole life and never do anything wrong, and you can have, have some weird thing happen to you, right? It's just life. Some of us have been disappointed. How many of you have had your heart set on something? Hey, it's okay. We're, we've been disappointed. And we stepped through the sword and we, got, and we let Jesus wrap his arms around us in our disappointment. Yeah. We're still walking, still trusting in him, right? Yeah. Many of us have sinned horribly, <sighs> regularly, habitually. We've missed the mark, yet Jesus has come closer. Yeah, You're like, but you have a sword in your hand. <laughs> and it's already in me hurting. Come closer. And we step through the sword. 
and it wounds us and it cuts us deep, but it heals us at the same time. And we still walk with him. Why do we keep walking with him? Because it's worth it. And that's worship. It's worth it. You're worth it, Jesus. We've decided that through it all, he can be trusted. Oh, my goodness. He can be trusted with our life, with our children, with our dreams, with our wounds, with our weaknesses, with the crazy thoughts that go through our heads. He can be trusted. We have experienced his mercy and his grace. Come on, how many of you have experienced his mercy and grace? Oh, it's worth it, right? We have found that we can trust him with our pain. We have found that he's trustworthy. And he's faithful to his word. I love the scripture that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's become the, the, the verse for my life. The first time I heard Corey Asbury sing that song, I literally, I was painting my boy's restroom. And that song came on, and the first time I heard it, I just laid on the floor for 45 minutes with the song on repeat, just weeping. Because I can say that, Jesus, faithful are your wounds. Faithful are the wounds that I receive stepping closer to you. See, this is a valuable thing we're part of. If it didn't cost us anything, it wouldn't be worth anything. And Christianity isn't cheap. And being a disciple, being a disciple is not cheap. It's painful. Like, people get to see our weaknesses. We had a lot of people at my house yesterday. They got to see my OCD weaknesses come out. I'm like, oh, was I really that bad, babe? She's like, nah. I'm like, I'm trying really hard. But that's what this thing is about. That's what being part of a community of believers is about. We get to, I still choose you, even if you're a weirdo. You still choose me, even if I'm a weirdo. Christianity is expensive. Being in community is expensive. It costs us something. Our kids are going to get hurt by each other. We did it when we were teenagers. We, we hurt each other. and we, All the stuff that happens in church. Friends in this room, us adults, we, haven't, we don't have it all together. Sometimes we're going to offend each other. Yeah. We don't mean to. But that's what, it, that's what walking with Jesus says. It's okay. Yeah. Let's clean up our messes. Let's bear one another's burdens. Come on. Let's iron sharpen iron. That's what this thing is about because it's valuable. Being a Christian is expensive. It's valuable. We cannot hand our kids weak Christianity. It's no safe spaces in the kingdom. We've discovered that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. Every single time. When he says something... He is that thing. It is true. It is the gospel truth. We have discovered that we're not in a process either. We're not being recycled. We have been completely remade, reborn, <laughs> born again. Come on. And we're in a relationship with a worthy king. We're not in a relationship with someone who's, who's um, chiseled stone, who's written on tablets of stone. He's flesh. 
And this relationship with have, we have with him is not a process like we think of process, you know, the conveyor belt process. It's a personal thing. We climb up on the table and the master potter shapes us by his own hands. We're, we're being built into building stones, not bricks, because he... He takes the time with every single one of us and individually as the master potter takes us as clay in his hands and he shapes us however he sees fit. It's not a conveyor belt. It's not mass production Christianity here. It's a personal relationship and we're learning that. And that makes it okay for me to be OCD because he's working that out of me, right? And you're like, well, be free. Well, it's okay for you to be a free spirit and me to be OCD and for us to still walk in the kingdom together side by side. Like, you see what I'm saying here? This is, this is what we've learned on this journey. We have an intimate friendship with Jesus, the friend who sticks closer than a brother. The one who never leaves us nor forsakes us. The one who never leaves us and turns us over to our own devices or our own wisdom or our own strength. He never leaves us drowning in our own our ownness. <sighs> he never leaves us in the dark. He always turns the light on cuz he's the light. You're you, you're never in the dark. You're never in the unknown. You're always <laughs> right next to the light of the world. The one who reveals all things. Come on. And he's patient. How many of you say he's patient? He is slow to anger. Whereas we're quick to anger. He is slow to anger. He's gentle. But he is fierce. Everyone say he's fierce. Oof. We didn't choose to follow Jesus, and we didn't choose to continue to walk with Jesus because it was the safe choice. Some of us think that we chose Jesus, so now it's going to all be safe. It's not. <laughs> Amen. And that's really good for us. It's really good for us. This great lion of the tribe of Judah is not safe, but he is good. This great lion of the tribe of Judah is not safe, but he's good. How many remember that from Aslan? C.S. Lewis. He's, he's not safe, but he's good. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he's not safe. But he is good. He makes war with anything that threatens our experience with his love. He makes war with it. You're like, man, why, why does the sword cut so deep? Because he wants me to fully feel his love. Why is, this, why is this journey so difficult sometimes? Sometimes it's really easy, right? I mean, there are times where it's like, man, everything's happening perfectly. Everything's coming up roses. All my prayers are being answered. This is the greatest, right? There are, it's like that. And then there are times where it's like, is this thing on? Hello? Hello? The whole thing, though, is a beautiful journey, and it's worth it. And he makes war with anything that comes between us and his love. 
Romans 8 says it best. What can separate us from the love of God? Height, depth, principalities, things past, things present, things to come. Anything. Can anything separate us from the love of God? He's like, I'm convinced that nothing, nothing in this world, this present world, this future world, the past world, anything, no principality, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us. And we're learning. That's why we're still walking with him. Ultimately, we've come to the determination like Peter did. Where else would we go? Where else am I going to go to find answers? Where else would we go, Jesus, to find life? You have life. Where else would we go? We have been convinced. How many would say this? He's the best option. And it's not because we exhausted all the other ones. It's because he's the best. He's not the last resort. <laughs> we don't follow him because he was the last resort. He's the center. The whole universe hinges upon him. Jesus Christ, the foundation, the cornerstone. Ever say cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. Come on. Where else would we go? It's this quote from Charles Spurgeon. I love it. It says, I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. That's why we still walk with him. Oh, it's painful. This isn't fun. This isn't good. Yeah, but you know what? It threw me on Jesus, so it's good. It's good. It threw me to Jesus. I don't seek him because of the signs and the wonders. I don't seek him because he answered my prayers. I seek him because I've tasted and seen he is the bread of life for me, myself. My kids have to taste and see. I want a seventh generation after me and an eighth and a ninth to continue to pursue ministry and serving God as a Levite in the priesthood. That's my heart's desire for my boys, to pass the baton to them. How do we do that? They have to taste and see for themselves. Daddy's meal won't be good enough for them. Like I love my dad's relationship with God, but it's not the same relationship I have with God. I loved my papa's relationship with God. It was a special, unique relationship. He was my favorite person. <laughs> but I have a different relationship with God than he did. And my kids are going to know God in a different way for them. And I'm going to love it. And I'm going to be so happy. Now they're talking to Jesus. Come on. Oh. Consider it a blessing when all our options are reduced and we find out he's all that's left and that's all we needed the whole time. Where else would we go? When you speak, Lord, we come alive. Would you say that with me? Where else would we go, Lord? When you speak, we come alive. Say that again. When you speak, we come alive. So we need you, Jesus. We're not going to quit walking with you. We're not going to be offended and leave and go somewhere else. There's nowhere else to go. We know this. We needed you then. We need you now. We need you forever. You're the source of life. Come on. This is the Christianity I want to pass to our kids. He's worth it. He's worth it in every season. There are some long, hard seasons in this journey, but he's worth it. And he's near. He's near in every season of life. How many can look back like with different eyesight and be like, man, he was close. He was there. He was there the whole time. We're like, well, I didn't feel him. I didn't sense him. But he never leaves us. He was there. 
Every season of life, he's there. And because we've found out that he is the bread from heaven that comes down, that gives eternal life, this is what we say, as for me and my house. It's decided. It can be easier, it can be difficult on my kids and my grandkids, but they will serve the Lord. Daddy's already decided. My dad and his dad and his dad and his dad, they'd already decided my kids are going to serve the Lord, period. It's non-negotiable. You're like, oh. What does it say in Acts? He will save you and your household. Woo. Years ago, the Lord gave us revelation on this when we were back at the bridge in Arlington. And the Lord says, I give you permission to define what your household is. <laughs> so I started calling people family that weren't family. You're, you're my house. Yeah, we're, we're family. God, they're, they're my, your kids are part of my family. My kids are part of your family. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. <laughs> That's the other value of community. We help all of our kids learn to follow Jesus. Come on. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Jesus is the anchor. He's the anchor to our life. He is the most important thing. Everything revolves around him. He gets to arrange our life. Amen? And I felt like today I wanted to go on this same journey that Jesus went with the disciples and the people that were going through. And when I say, hey, you're still walking with him, right? You're not offended with Jesus, are you? I will say, if you're here, if you're watching on Facebook, if you're offended with Jesus, have a talk with him right now. Speak to him. Oh, tell him. I remember some of the most disappointing news in my life. I have a way that I process it, and I go immediately, and I let it all out. <laughs> I, early in our marriage, we had a, uh, had a miscarriage. I know that happens to a lot of people, but to us, when it happens to you, it feels like the most devastating thing ever, right? Because it's painful. And, and, and I specifically remember... We told our doctor, hey, uh, yeah, we found out in a sonogram, which added to the trauma for us. It added to the trauma. And he's like, well, do we want to do the procedure, the DNC right now? Or uh, we're like, no, we're, we're Christians. We believe Jesus raises the dead. And our doctor's like, okay. He's like, we're going to go home. We're going to go to church this weekend. We're going to tell all our friends we're going to pray. And Jesus is going to resurrect this baby. All right? This is what we went through. So he's like, okay, great. He's such the cool doctor. I love him. One of my favorite people I've ever met in my life. He's absolutely insane, but I love him. Dr. Maxie, if you're out there, we, we love you, man. All right. Anyway, so we went. We prayed. We believed God was going to raise his kid from the dead. We go back, back in for another sonogram on Monday. Nothing. And I, I remember after all the procedure and everything that we went through, and I'm telling this specifically for a reason. I went to my room, and Mandy went to her space. And I just cried out to God. I let it out. Like, God, this really hurts. Like, I don't understand, right? And I talked to him about it. God, I'm offended right now. And then I began to feel shame. I don't know why I'm telling this today. I felt shame. And then in the middle of me crying out to God, I felt like, you know, I actually deserved this because I wasn't a good boy growing up. I probably deserved this because... I, I didn't stay pure like I should have. And I started talking to myself like, you know what? This is God's punishment. This is fine. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? Do you think that that's how I, I treat my kids? 
Again, I don't know what I'm telling. Maybe it's for someone here or on Facebook. The, the shame has to go away. But it doesn't go away, and the pain or the shame doesn't go away unless you process it with Jesus. It's not going to go away by yourself being uh, preoccupied. We're good at that. Oh, well, I'll just push it and get busy so I don't think about it. Uh, it will roar its ugly head at some point if you don't go to Jesus and process it. And it may not be a one-time process. You may have to go through it over and over again. Like, you may be surrounded by six people that got pregnant at the same time and their kids are born, and you may be right in the middle of that. Like, okay, what happened to me, Lord? And you have to process it again. But that's the thing this is about. You go through this with Jesus. You're not alone. You can't do this alone. So if that's for you and you've been offended, you've been wounded with Jesus, spend time and process it with him. But to pro- you have to go through the pain of it. Oh, let me, I'm, I'm closing, I promise. You can stand. That'll make me remember to close. You can't go through these things without experiencing the pain of them. There's no anesthesia for this stuff. We have to feel the pain. You're like, I don't want to feel the pain. You have to feel the pain. But you feel it with Jesus, not by yourself. Oh. You're still walking with Jesus, right? As for you and your house, serve the Lord. This is what we tell our kids. We walk with Jesus. We, we do. Every season, we walk with Jesus. We don't understand what's going on. We walk with Jesus. I don't understand. We talk to Jesus. Then when we talk, we stop and we listen to Jesus. And then we obey Jesus. Jesus is the center of our life. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to encourage you today and to remind you that you've been on this journey this whole time and it's worth it. He rewards those who diligently seek him. He's the rewarder. Amen. (laughs) And he's faithful. He will be faithful forever. So I just want you to right now to just have a conversation with the Lord. I don't even know what kind of altar call we're going to have today because this is kind of a, like, I don't know. We'll just pray right now. You pray where you're at. (sighs) Jesus, we walk with you. (laughs) We step closer even through the sword. Mm. (laughs) We kiss the waves that crash us against the rock of ages. This is a seasoned relationship we have here. Come on. (laughs) Jesus. You're good, Jesus. You're such a good friend. (laughs) I love what Shagoon said. Holy Spirit, you're a good friend. You're the one that was sent to walk beside us. The paraclete, come on. Father, you're a good father. (laughs) And we feel so loved by you. 
Father, I feel so loved by you. <laughs> I really do. We don't regret one moment when we chose you. Yeah. We don't regret one moment that we chose you. When we didn't take the shortcut, come on. Jesus, we know you're not safe, but you are good. <laughs> you are exceedingly good. So, Father, I feel like I want to pray. that we would realize the richness of this walk we have with you. <laughs> the mystery and the, and the richness of this walk. And yes, it's expensive. Oh, it's absolutely expensive to walk with you. It's totally worth it. Every time. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would develop this culture in Fire Life and every family here that we're seasoned veterans who walk with Jesus. And we may have been saved a week, but we're seasoned veterans who walk with Jesus. And we take the next step of obedience. Wherever we are on this journey, we take the next step and we say yes. And you reward faith. And you reward that faithfulness to take that next step of obedience. And God, there's a reward that's passed on through our bloodline into our household, into our children and our children's children. There's a reward that they step into. I've seen it. <laughs> mm. Come on, think about it. How many have seen the reward of following Jesus? That's what you're passing on to your kids and your grandkids and on and on to a thousand generations. That's the blessing of walking with Jesus. That's the inheritance from glory to glory. Come on. From strength to strength. Our ceiling becomes their floor. Whoa. I don't remember which president it was. It's been in the last hundred years, and he says, if there must be war, may it be in my time that my sons may know peace. And I declare that over you as mothers and fathers in this room and grandfathers and grandmothers, that if there must be war, let us make war, that our sons may walk in peace, that our daughters may walk in peace. Come on, would you say it with me? God, we make war. We make war against darkness so that our sons and daughters can walk in peace.
Come on, pray for someone next to you. Pray for a warrior in them to rise up. Men, rise up as warriors. Come on, pick up the sword. There must be war. I choose the war. My kids may know peace. Raise up a David generation. That the Solomon generation may come along and build a house for God. Come on. Raise up a David generation of worshipers who make war with worship and praise. That our sons and daughters may build kingdom of peace. I want to pray for one thing. There's an absolute outright attack on identity right now. There's an attack on fatherhood right now. And the Bible says in the last days he would send the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of the fatherhood. And he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And I want to pray into that right now that fathers would step up and be the warriors, that we'd be the Davids and the Jonathans. Oh. The Benias in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Come on. The mighty men of war. Father, raise up a generation of warriors. A warrior spirit. Come on. The Eliezer's whose hands cleave to the sword. That our sons and daughters may know peace. We rebuke this attack right now on authority, this attack on identity, this attack on how God created fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. We drive back the forces of darkness right now. We lift up the standard of Jesus. We make war in the heavenlies. We pull down strongholds and principalities. We cast down imaginations and high thoughts and arguments and anything that sets itself against the knowledge of Christ. We make war with it right now. We shine a light. We arise and shine. You are a warrior. There's some Xenas in the room. <laughs> Sorry. You're warrior princesses in this room. Come on. You're a warrior. It's not safe, but he's good. War is not safe, but he's good. Oh. Father, may our households know you. May our household be saved. If you want prayer for anything that we didn't cover, kind of covered a lot, oh, but if you need prayer, We'd love to pray for you here at the front. You need a prophetic word, we'll prophesy over you. We're all supposed to prophesy. You need encouragement today, we'll love on you, we'll hug you, we'll stand with you. You need healing, be well in Jesus' name. Those on Facebook, we love you. You're our family. 
We bless you. May his presence fill your house right now. Yeah. Um, I want to make a special call. Um, How many, (laughs) I think it's Bob, is that right? Just his dad? Bob? Bill. Close. So close, Bill. Um, I didn't want to say anything because I know it's so bowling. (laughs) You are a really good daddy. And when I just, the time that I had just encountering you, there's something very familiar about you that reminded me of my father. And I'm nearing um, 13 years that my dad passed away. So how many of you in this room are without a dad? We have a lot of young, a lot of us, but, but I knew there would be even older. And I just wanted the Lord take me through this journey during worship after uh, being in Bill's presence. I've just... One, he wants to heal us who've lost our dads. And it's not just a one time. There's just a continual journey um, of allowing the Lord to just, you know, when you encounter and you, you feel or um, remember, you know, your father or, or mother. But he just wants to walk you through that. And he wants to continually bring healing to your heart. And it's, you know, it can happen at the most unexpected times. But nonetheless, I just, I felt the Lord wanted to just bring healing. And two, I was reminded not long ago, Paul Manwaring said that when he lost his father, he stopped being a son. And I just want to remind us to not stop being sons or daughters. And I want to declare that our father he's our savior but y'all he is our father and this is not just for I, I was reminded of people in the room it's not just for people who've lost their dad there are people maybe where their dad wasn't able to be a dad and um so I don't really know um, I guess I just I just want to ask you to um I'm gonna have you come to the front if you need healing I'm just gonna ask you to come and let's just light up here and um and let's just commit to, I don't really fully even know what this looks like as far as he being our dad. You know, I, I was asking the Lord, like, I don't really know what that looks like, which sounds so weird because I serve him with my whole heart. He's the Lord of my life. But, um, but you know, when I started thinking about what a father does, he provides. He gives identity. Jared hit that. He gives identity, um, protection, and he provides for us. And so, I don't know, I just want to invite you that if you find yourself, if that connects with your spirit or your heart, I just want to invite you to come up and let's just pray and receive from the Lord. But I did feel that it wasn't just for me. And I just want to remind us to not stop being sons and daughters. Yes, just We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to reveal to us what that, what that looks like for each one of us. There could be something in our lives, something specific in, in our walk with you that maybe we just stopped being. So we just yield our hearts. And whatever that is, we invite you, Holy Spirit, just to speak to us where, where maybe we just need to step back into alignment as your daughter or your son. And Lord, we just thank you that our identity and our significance comes from you. That you crafted and designed each one of us, Lord. And we get that from you and you alone. And that you protect and you provide for us. That we don't have to try to self-protect and we don't have to try to provide provide for ourselves 
There's, there's no need that's too great, Lord. You're the God of impossibilities. And you've, you've gone before each one of us and you've made a way for us. You said to watch the birds and see how you've taken care. They don't worry about anything. They don't worry about what they wear or what they eat. But, you've, but you take care of them and how much more worthy and how valuable are we as your sons and daughters. And so, Lord, I just bless everyone in the room and watching, Father, and just declare that we are your sons and daughters and we will find our identity in you, Jesus. We love you and honor you.